Happy New Year, by the way. I, I, I know this is, what, the, what's the day today? 19th? But I feel like it's been a long time since I've been up here, which is really nice. So I'm, I'm all excited. I have so many things to say. So you guys may have to cut me off after 30 minutes to let me know that, Hugh, you're done. Let's move on. We have other things going on. But uh, I just want to say Happy New Year. And the reason I say Happy New Year is, as I said, I haven't been up here for a while. Um, granted, you know, we have had other meetings, and I'm always excited, actually. I just found out as I was preparing for this message, I'm always excited for the new year. Uh, granted, it means that we're one year older, right? You know, some people may be depressed by that, but I'm actually excited because we're one year older, but it also means that we're one year closer to the day that Jesus will be coming back, right? Anyone? No? All right, I guess I'm the only one who's excited. Thank you. Someone said, yeah, I don't know who that was. Um, we, we should all be excited with the new year because um, we're getting, hopefully, we're getting closer to the goal or the destination that God has set out for us. Uh, this should be true both for in our individual lives and it should also be true for restoration as a church. Uh, we should always constantly be moving forward, right? Uh, when I say forward, meaning growing in our revelation of who Jesus is, growing in our skills and our gifting, uh, growing in terms of how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a better student, how to study, uh, growing in many different areas. Uh, some of us may be going faster than others, but at least as long as we're moving forward, then we're okay. Uh, one, one note of caution, which I mentioned this to someone earlier, is uh, don't look around. I'm speaking from experience. Don't look around because when we look around and we start comparing with other people, uh, I read this um, thing on the internet and it really resonated with me. Is the fastest way to kill something special is comparing it to something else. That's amazing, isn't it? The fastest and the quickest way to kill something special is comparing it to someone else. So that's a note of caution to all of us, to myself included, and also to us as restoration. But anyway, just thought I'd throw that out. The first, um, we're going to start a new series for 2020. Uh, it's a um, series as a uh, refresher on who we are, what we are about, and where we are going, what God has called us and established us to do. And the reason that we do this series, and it's similar to um, a series on our vision and values and a series on uh, our foundations, is to remind us to look up. You know, we need to look up once in a while. Look up so that we can look ahead at the destination and the goal that God has set out for us to make sure that we're still on track. Because if we are off track, it's good for us to be reminded so we get back on track. Uh, as long as we're going forward, as I said, to make sure that we're not going sideways, we want to be going forward. It may be slow or fast, it doesn't matter, but make sure we're going forward. And, or, or look up once in a while to make sure that the destination is not much further than it was last year. Uh, I trust that each of us will be able to say the same uh, thing individually in terms of um, for each of us staying on the path that God has set out for us and also regarding the relationship that we have with Jesus, which is hopefully this year or today we know Jesus more than we did last year. We're, we're, the reason that it's better for us to know Jesus more because the more we know of who Jesus is, the more secure we are in terms of who we are who Jesus has called us to, to be, and where Jesus is calling us to, to go. And also knowing that we, each of us, individually and corporately, were uniquely and wonderfully made by God for a special purpose. So uh, I, firstly, I want to assure everyone that 
the restoration. We are moving forward. Uh, we may not be going as fast as some want us to go, but we're not as slow as some others uh, would like for us to go. So we are still moving forward, and we stay on the path that God has set out for restoration. So that's why I'm using this term uh, for this series is under the banner of restoration. It's just to remind us again of the banner that God has called us to rally under, for us to, to come together, to march under for the purpose that he has set out specifically for us at restoration. Uh, the reason for that also is, you know, back in the old days when you see people marching out, there's always a flag or a banner. It's so that they know what they are um, marching for, marching under. What, is, what does it stand for? And also, uh, mostly over time, people wouldn't discuss. Otherwise, people would start going off in different directions. And next thing you know, there's really not, no longer an army and a big mess with no leader. So it's also necessary to know what our banner, what it represents. So then hopefully, um, and what it represents is the reason that God has purposely gathered his people to impact this neighborhood and the nations. So starting this morning, we're gonna go, this is the first week of uh, four. We're going to do a four-week series on, on what God has called us to be. When I say us, I mean everyone at Restoration, everyone whom God has placed here, not just the few people, not just the leaders, or not just whoever, but everyone to gather to, to, um, uh, to be. Uh, I, as you can tell, it's been a while since I've been up here, so I'm, I'm struggling to get through. So first and foremost, uh, before I talk about restoration, I want to emphasize that God himself is building his church, and he is establishing his church. So therefore, the local church exists for a reason. Right? It's not because some people thought it was a good idea 2,000 years ago to, hey, Let's create something and gather people so they can meet once a week. This was God's idea. He is building his church, and it was his design. So therefore, the local church is not just a good idea. It is important. It's extremely important for the life of all followers of Jesus. Uh, every single one of us, every single Christian should be knitted and planted within the local church. I know I'm not saying anything that you guys don't know, but I feel it's necessary for us to keep on repeating it because I want to very briefly talk about the importance of the local church before I get into the purpose of this specific local church, restorations. Uh, otherwise, if we don't fully understand of why it's important for us to be an active member within the local church, we're missing out on so much of what God has for us and the future generations. So uh, I, actually, there were many reasons, but I just, um, I'm going to list five reasons for why we should be a part of a local church. Number one, if we're not, we're missing out on how God has chosen to work, to reveal himself, to display his glory in this age, in this time. We see that from scripture, right? Both in Acts and in Ephesians. And this is why he puts each of us in a specific uh, local church. So he wants us to partner with him in displaying his power his wisdom, and his love to everyone else. It's amazing, isn't it? Because realistically, if we look around, and hopefully it's not going to offend anyone, God, he will probably work with someone else, right? More charismatic, more, more uh, high power, or what have you. But he wants to work with each and every one of us. And he wants to work through us. And that's humbling. That should be humbling for all of us. That he wants to use us in partnering in displaying his power to everyone else around us, in sharing the gospel. So we don't need to, as the word that came through earlier, we don't need to uh, or should try to come up with something better or put pressure on ourselves. Just follow the design that God has laid out for us. 
That's all we have to do. Uh, we don't need to come up with something better or something to supplement to help God along the way. He knows what he's doing, why he's doing that, even though we don't fully understand why. For us, what we need to do is follow his design and trust in him. Uh, number two is missing out on, if, if we're not part of a local church, we're missing out on the learning and using our spiritual gift that God has given us, our gift. The gifts that we talked about is um, in terms of growing, in terms of our faith, how to use a word of knowledge. For example, if for some of you, if you show up to church and there's, um, uh, I want to use an example of what is a word of knowledge. When you show up to church and as soon as we start worshiping, suddenly you feel like there's a headache. Suddenly you were fine, suddenly you felt like there's a headache. And the reason for that is sometimes God is using you to pray for someone that has a headache. So that's what it, an example of a word of knowledge. Or suddenly you felt there's a pain in your knee, but you're totally fine. That's what it is in terms of a word of knowledge. So then what we should do is we should be obedient and come up and then just say, hey, I feel like there's a pain in my knee. I want to pray for, is it someone that's suffering knee pain that I can pray for? So that's just an example of, of what is a word of knowledge. So when we're part of a local church, we can learn that we may have a word of knowledge gifting and we, how we can use it and exercise it. So that's just an example and also to use it in a, in a, in a safe and protected environment to know that the people that we're praying for and the people that we, that we are receiving prayer for, people that love us and care for us and want the best for us. So some of the other gifting maybe you know, faith, uh, patient, hosting, or, or learning how to pray for people in general, period. And that's something that we can all grow in, right? To pray for people. Uh, number three is if we, if, we are, if, if we are part of a church, we can also get to enjoy the spiritual gift that God has for us. The gift that we don't have, but we can gain from it. Uh, same as the above in terms of that we can get loved on. Learn what it is to be gently challenged. Learn what it is to be encouraged learn in, a, in a biblical, loving way. Uh, learn the gift of hospitality, so to speak. And learn how to actually hear from God in terms of speaking prophetically over people in a safe environment, in terms of being able to receive that if we are part of a local church. From the, and again, it's from the people that know us, love us, walk along with us, and care for us. Um, Number four, the importance of a local church is so then we can be accountable for people. And there's another term is, if I can use the term, holy. Right? God wants us to be the peop holy people. And we cannot be holy by ourselves. I can, if, if I can be vulnerable to say, speaking from experience, because when we isolate ourselves, our pride and our ego will tell us what we should do and what other people should do and how they should live and how we should live. But when we by ourselves, we have crazy ideas about how things should be. But when we're with other people, we will learn that, oh, what I thought was good may not be so good after all. It's good to have people that speak into our lives and encourage us and give us some tips and hints of, of what we can do better or what we have done wrong. Or maybe we've been rude the way that we've been communicating to people. It is First uh, Peter chapter two verse five that talked about living stones, right? The stones are being smoothed, smoothed out because we're rubbing up against each other. God wants to use us to to help us grow in certain characters that we are weak at, and be and and help others be to be strengthened in an areas that they are suffering themselves. Um, resilience, forgiveness, when we are together, 
we learn to forgive each other, right? It's, uh, it's easy to say that I'll forgive you when you don't have to see them and put up with them every day. But when we're together, that's another way to be accountable is to actually say, hey, you told me that you forgive me, but you still hold a grudge against me. That's not easy to hear, right? But when we by ourselves, we can say, yeah, I forgive everybody. They, you can do whatever you want, but you hold a grudge against them. It's different when we're in the part of a local church to say, we forgive you and actually walk it out in forgiveness. Uh, and, and another thing, number five, which I know there are many things on here, but number five I want to say is when we're part of a local church, if, if we're not part of a local church, we're missing out on the sweetest fellowship this side of heaven. I don't know if there's another way to say it because when we're part of a local church, all of those things above will happen, right? Whether it's we're functioning in the way that God has intended for us to, to function. I look at it as a practice run like a practice run for when we're actually in heaven, worshiping with everyone else around us, all the different people around us, and, and also in a way that we can grow and be challenged. Because sometimes when we are part of a local church, uh, fellowshipping with each other, it causes us to step outside of our comfort zone, right? to be challenged and grow in the ways that we probably normally don't want to grow in. Um, so... Those are some of the things that, that I, I want to bring up in terms of the importance of, to be, uh, importance of being a part of a local church. There are many other things, but mostly, if you can just re remember, God has designed for the church to be here, for us to be a part of a church. Um, so I trust you get my point. Uh, and the reason that he wants to put us in, in a local church, it is because for our own good and for his purpose. So if you can narrow it down to two things, for our own good, and for his purpose. It is for our own good and for his purpose. Otherwise, we're functioning outside of God's design for his people and his purpose. And our purpose should always align with his great purpose, what he has planned for us. And we need to align ourselves with him, his great big plan. Sometimes we may not fully understand why, but for us, as people, as followers of Jesus, right? Followers of Jesus is to follow Jesus. Um, so anyway, I just want to share that because when we talk about our own purpose, sometimes we think we have a, a special plan or purpose. God has spoken that over us. Jeremiah 29, right? I have a plan and a purpose for you. However, it always should fit into his great purpose, and which is his design for the local church. Uh, so I felt it's necessary to talk about God's design and the purpose for creating the local church before we can talk about the specific purpose that God has planned for all of us, right? And everyone whom God has planted and will be adding to restoration. So uh, one of the main reasons this first week, main reason for the existence of a restoration is for us, God has called us to seek out those who don't have relationship with Jesus in order to share the gospel. It's seek out those who don't know Jesus. That's our number one mission, reason, whatever you want to call it. And I want to share, use a verse from Genesis 14, verse 14, uh, to, to talk about what it looks like and what it means. Uh, and this is uh, regarding uh, Genesis 14. It's from Abraham. It's the life of Abraham. We went through this last year because I just felt there's no, other, there's no better example than Abraham's life, right? The father of the faith. His faith was counted as righteousness, which came before the Mosaic law, which came before the birth of Jesus. 
So in Genesis 14, verse 14, it said, when Abram, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318, 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So just for those who don't know, uh, this is a summary. Like in, There was a battle between the four kings and the five kings. So the four kings were the bad kings. The five kings were they're not good kings, which is not as bad kings. So they were fighting each other. So the four kings beat up the five kings and captured everyone within uh, their territory. And Lot was one of those that was also captured by the four kings. And as we know, Lot is related to Abraham. So this verse is about Abraham going out to rescue Lot. But this verse also about Abraham is also a representation of who God has called us restoration to be. And if I can take some liberty to make some revision um, to, to this particular verse to help us expand a little bit more on what God has called us to be is, you know, if I can just substitute, when Jesus heard that his people had been taken captive, he called out the trained man, as in he called out restoration and went in pursuit. So this speaks to who we are as restoration. I want to expand further on this verse. And first, uh, so let's look at this verse, right? So firstly, relative. Who are the relatives, right? In this case, Abraham is related to Lot. However, God's calling us to go and rescue all of our relatives. That's God's people. Everybody. Because if we take around, if we look around in this room, we're not related. We don't look alike at all. But we're all related from the standpoint that we're God's people. Because we were all created in his image, right? So everybody means everyone. White, black, Asian, Hispanics, old, young, rich, poor, someone who's a little more arrogant than others, some who are meek. Everybody. Everyone. Whether you are shy or you're talkative or you're cool or you're uncool, whatever it is, it's God's people. That's who God has called us to go out, to rescue. And he has planted each of us here in restoration to go in pursuit of those who have been taken captive or held prisoner, meaning being kept from God, being kept away from God. That's what Jesus came to do, right? He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. And that's why he's calling us as followers of Jesus is to go and pursue and look for the lost. Intentionally look for the lost. And those who are in, held captive, held prisoner, held captive from what? And where? Right? Where is where in this world right now? Because there are so many people who live under the, the constant worries and anxieties in terms of debts and, and trying to pursue the American dreams of owning a house with white picket fence, right? With two and a half kids and one and a half pets, whatever that is. And succumb to the pressure, the expectations of, of, of the society that we live under. And, and, and live according to the philosophy of what people put on us versus biblically what God has called us to live under. Being captive, meaning in this verse, is being separated from being able to experience the love and the goodness and the freedom that Jesus brings. Of, of walking in the fullness of his spirit right here, right now. And, and, and to, to, to be able to know what it's like to have God's rest, to have the peace of Jesus, 
to experience joy, to live in joy. I'm not saying that things are going to be all easy, but to be able to always walk in joy despite the tough times that we face and live and have the peace of Jesus. John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, My peace I leave to you, my peace with you. Jesus' peace, not our peace, not the peace that we get from uh, our leaders or our, the peace that our boss to us, but Jesus, his peace that he gives to us, that he leaves for us. That's what I mean in terms of to be able to live with peace and rest and joy. And being captive, the people who are being captive from, from we talk about from where, from, from, from what, again, just I uh, had alluded to earlier, being in his presence is amazing. That's all I can tell you is, if you don't know what it's like, it's amazing. Seek it. It's overwhelming to experience the goodness and the love of his perfect love. Of his perfect, yes, his perfect love. Hearing from God. Because if we know him and have a relationship with him, we can hear from him and be confident in the decision that we make in our lives. In terms of where we're going to go and what path we're going to pursue because he has a plan and a purpose for us, Right? And we can, even though times things are tough and challenges that may seem impossible to overcome, but if we know that he has a plan and a purpose for us, we know that he is with us and he will take us through those tough times. So those who are being held captive, they don't have that peace. They don't have that rest. They live with the anxiety of, oh, I have to satisfy my boss every single day. If he's in a bad mood, I'm going to be worried. If he's in a good mood, I'm going to be feeling good. No. We have relationship with Jesus, and we live with the freedom and the rest and peace that comes with Jesus. Right? We are in his hand. And if you have that understanding, if we help people, rescue people to have that understanding, people will live with a lot more rest, a lot more freedom in their lives, and make decisions based on what God has called us to do, or called them to do. The verse also I want to say is called out, Right? So Abraham called out the 318 trained men. Just think about Jesus calling us out, as in summoning us, summoning, asking for volunteers, if that's the actual definition, to call out. So the ones who answer the calls are the ones who are obedient. I looked up the significance of 318. It's really no significant to that. But what it was there is to let us know 318 versus four humongous armies probably in the thousands. So that's all there is. A few said yes. A few responded in obedience. The few who stand, who decided to raise their hand to stand in the gap. Right? A few step up in obedience. And that's what biblical obedience is about. Right? Obedience, I think nowadays, a lot of times we see obedience as a passive posture. Biblically, it is not a passive posture. Obedience, biblically, is an active posture. O- biblical obedience requires courage. It requires strength. It requires perseverance, wisdom, to see through all the pressure around us, to see what's real and what's not, what's in the spiritual and what's in the practical. Biblical obedience, biblical obedience requires conviction. Conviction to know, this is it. Things seem impossible, but God is with me. All things is possible, Right? Some of the examples of biblical obedience is from Jesus. He was obedient to the Father going to the cross. We know this. I, I think we talked about this. He, I don't think he really, really was looking forward to that because he prayed, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that. 
But he said, but it's not my will, it's your will. That's his obedience to know that this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take on the punishment of all mankind, but Father, if it's your will, I will go forth. Strength and courage and conviction. Abraham, we use an example of Abraham. He was obedient in terms of God told him to move his family and take all his possessions away from the people that he has ever known, from the place that he grew up in, the only place that he's ever known. It's like, but God has called me to. So I'm going to take everybody with me and go somewhere else because God had called me to. That takes a lot of courage, right? A lot of trust in God. When you don't know anyone else, you've never been away from the territory that you grew up in. That's what biblical obedience is. Uh, using someone that we know, D.L. Moody. He was obedient in starting up a school. Uh, and then now, Moody, Bible Institute. It's an amazing um, institution that has trained people to go and share the gospel. Millions of people have benefited from that, not only here, but in all the nations around us. That takes a lot of courage to start up something from scratch. Right? There are many examples of, uh, throughout scriptures. I'm going to use some practical examples. You know, people standing up to injustice. William Wilberforce, for those of you who may not know who he is, he ended the slave trade in England. It took him many years, many years to push through when everyone else told him it's impossible. But because God has called him on that path to stand up to injustice, that's what he did. And look at where we are now. We are benefit. We gain from that. Courage, strength, conviction. Biblical obedience is not passive obedience. Nelson Mandela. I know we talk about South Africa. Nelson Mandela, we all hear that, right? Worldwide. It's not easy. It's not easy to do things that God's called us to do. And also this weekend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Obedience. If you hear and listen to his speech, his speeches, everything is laced with biblical references. He was obeying God to say, no, you have created all people. He was also sent to rescue the captive, to help bring people to freedom. Not only freedom practically, but also freedom spiritually. So that's what biblical obedience is, and they all derive from trusting in God and going out to set free those who have been held captive. So I want you guys, I want to stress the, the term obedience because I just want us to know obedience is a strength to be able to say we obey God. It doesn't mean that we just, well, we just, I just stand on the sideline, bow my head, and just wait until who knows what happened. No, obedience is stepping forward, going through, even though you don't know what's going on, even though when things seem impossible, even when Everything just seemed like 318 men versus thousands of soldiers. That's what obedience meant. Trained soldiers, trained men. Right? In trained men, the actual verse is actually soldiers. So they, um, those who responded were trained men, not just anyone. Not untrained men. So those who have been training themselves so they can be ready, so they can be ready when it's time for God to call them. They were ready and they responded. They answered the call. Whatever it is, in whatever forms it is, they responded because they have been training. Training always requires discipline. Right? Training is no fun. I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you guys. Who likes training? No one. No one uh, enjoys uh, training. I used to, um, uh, if I can use my personal ex um, example, I, I, I love sports, and I think you guys all know that. 
And I used to go to the gym and work out a lot just so I can be ready when, the, when it's time to play games. So I can be stronger, run faster. It's not because I want to look good. I just want to be able to play, do well, right? Because it's always better when you can run a little bit faster, jump a little bit higher, a little bit stronger to uh, you know, push off people or not be pushed off. So that's what we train so we can play. Nobody likes to do training just for the sake of training. Nobody. But it requires discipline when we train. So there's nothing fun in the training process, but we train with the anticipation. Anticipation of using that training so that when the time call, when the time come, when Jesus call us, we can say, here I am, I am ready. So we want to train ourselves using today's term, train ourselves for this opportunity. We're not gonna have to go and kill anybody, right? We're not gonna have to go and fight someone and just slaughter a bunch of people but train ourselves for this opportunity and a privilege to share the gospel, to rescue those who have been held captive spiritually, been held in darkness. Share the gospel. So anyway, going back to the local church. So within the local church, this is where we train in terms of learning more about scriptures, more of the spiritual gifts that God wants to give us so we can use and exercise those gifts, so we can tap into those spiritual gifts and allow him to flow through us and impact other people around us. Strengthening our characters, right? It's, I don't know if I should go too much into this because nobody likes their characters to be strengthened. But there are, all of us, we have things that we can grow into. We have weaknesses, we have areas where we're maybe we're not as patient, where we're just too angry at people. We can grow in our discernment, grow so we can have more grace actually grow so we can have more courage, right? Just that simple thing is to courage to say, hey, I love Jesus, to actually just bring up the name of Jesus at the dinner table and just say, it's okay. Or courage just to step out and, and also in terms of training from the standpoint of managing our affairs. Yes, we train in church, but also train in terms of managing our affairs, whether we're in school, finish school, so we can be ready to go where God calls us to go. Train our kids in the world so then they can share with other kids and, and just train in terms of do our job well. So when the time comes, we'll be ready for promotion or we can be ready to move somewhere else and apply the skills that God has um, put us through. So again, training, I don't want to talk too much about training, but training is never fun, but just keep this in mind. Training so we can go and set our people free. Set God's people free. That's what we train for. We don't train so that we can be better. We don't train so we can sound good. We train for a purpose, and that is God's purpose, to rescue our relative. Right? Going back again, 318 versus four large armies. A few against many. So restoration. I want to say that we are a few trained men. We want to train ourselves to be ready to answer the call, regardless of who that is, right? The way for us to answer the call is to share the gospel with our friends, with our family. Share it in a way that's so much more than, hey, why don't you come to church on Sunday? Well, why do we come to church? It's because of Jesus, right? And who is Jesus? My God, my Lord, my Savior. And how do you know Jesus? Through the relationship I have with Jesus. So we can share from that standpoint. That's how we train. That's how we grow. That's how we learn through the local church. So we can answer the call when Jesus 
put us in a, a place and opportunity for us to share the gospel, to rescue, just keep this in mind, rescue his people. His people. It's not because, well, that guy is a jerk. I don't want to share the gospel with him. No. His people. He loves him just as much as he loves us. His people. Our relatives. His people. So remember that, that um, Abraham had no hesitation there, right? In this verse, he had no hesitation in going after Lot. For those of you who are familiar, familiar with the story. So this is in Genesis 13 when they separated way, right? Abraham gave Lot the choice. You, you go one way, I'll go the other. Lot looked around. He's like, you know what? That part of land is very prosperous. Well water land. I'll have, it'll help with my crops, my livestock. Abraham, you take the leftover. Even though everything I have came from you. But I'm going to take this better option. Abraham, you get the leftover. Even despite that, Abraham had no hesitation in going after his relative. That's how we should be also. Even though that guy may be a jerk, may be arrogant, but let us have no hesitation in sharing the gospel, in rescuing him from, or her from being captive in darkness. Um, so we want to take confidence in knowing that it is the same with restoration. That's what God has called us to do. We're training. We're training for a purpose. And that purpose is to go and rescue those who've been held captive. Um, to bring glory to God. To bring glory to Jesus. And trust that he is with us. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm closing soon, but I just want to say that. Trust that he is with us. God is with us. We know that he's with us because he has called us here. Right? And he has called us to here for his purpose. And what is his purpose? It's to bring, the cap, bring freedom to those who've been held captive. He, he called us to rescue those who've been held captive. Again, that is to share the gospel. This is how we rescue people spiritually. Share the gospel to, to the people around us. And who are the people around us? Number one, the people here in this neighborhood. Because this is where God has called restoration to be. But also number two, is the people around us where we live, where we work, the people that God has put us in contact with. And we need to know, know that God is calling us to be here and trust in his power when we're sharing the gospel. Romans 1.16, I love this verse. I always think about this when I get nervous about sharing the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's not my power. It's not how I articulate things. For it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, not just to most people, not just to some people, to everyone who believes. So remember that. If we get nervous, if we get scared, don't know how to articulate the gospel. Trust that he's with us. And again, he called us here for a purpose. And we're here because we answer his call at restoration. It's not about us. I know I use the term us a lot, but it's not about us. Remember, it's not about us. Don't worry about how we look or how we sound, as I said earlier. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. We belong in the kingdom of God. Yes? Yes? Amen? Through Jesus, 
we belong in the kingdom of God. I think we know that, right? We talked about that a lot. And this is what Jesus has to say about those who belong in the kingdom of God. Hopefully, this will blow your mind because it actually blew my mind when I read through this again. Matthew 11, verse 11. I don't know if I have it up there. I'll read it to you. This is what Jesus was saying. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there have not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John the Baptist was greater than anyone and everyone who came before him who was born of a woman. From at, starting, well, not Adam, but after Adam, everyone, Abraham, Noah, Moses, Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist was greater than anyone. However, right, the second part of that verse, the least, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Take a second to let that sink in. It's, I was overwhelmed. It's like, wow, wow. When you read the Old Testament and you see the incredible things that was done in the Old Testament through God's people, all these incredible judges and prophets and, wow, that's what Jesus has given to us. So, all those, no one's greater than John the Baptist. But even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So let that sink in, because if you think you are not able, or not articulate enough, trust in the power of God, and he will make things happen. It's not on us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes? Thank you, Jesus. So I want to encourage you guys. That's the first thing we want to share through, share with us, and remind all of us again is what God has called us to do, what God is calling us to be here for, is to rescue those who have been held captive, those who don't have the relationship with Jesus, those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. We are to go and bring salvation to them, set them free spiritually, because once they're free spiritually, they will be healed physically and emotionally. We know that, right? Because we have experienced that. We have walked through that. That's what God's called us here to do. That's why we answer the call. I mean, to be honest with you, I would love to be a part of a mega church too, right? It's a lot easier. Just blend in, blend out. You don't get, you don't get stretched. You don't get challenged. You don't get, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of things you don't have to do. But because God had called each and every one of us here for a reason. And we had already answered the call by saying yes to be a part of restoration. He wants to do so much more with the few. He wants to impact the many. He wants us to rescue his people, not your people or my people. His people. His people. Not just my people, not just Asians. His people. Everyone. All people. So if I can just end just by saying, um, maybe um, sharing some practical tips. It's really simple. I, I don't know if I have this last slide up there, is number one, pray. Number one is what we should always do, all the time, every day. Even if we don't know what we're going to do, pray. Just pray. But specifically, if I can say, pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. Just pray for an opportunity to meet people, 
to talk about who Jesus is, how wonderful he is, right? We talked about what a beautiful name it is, how powerful your name is. Pray for an opportunity to share the gospel. And prepare. Be ready. Because when we pray, it's going to happen, right? I think we all believe in prayer here. Anyone who don't believe in prayer, we can have a little talk afterward. But pray and, and be ready. Prepare because when we pray, the opportunity will come. Prepare in terms of how to share the gospel, how to share about our own relationship with Jesus. You know, in the business setting, they always talked about uh, having elevator speech ready. For those of you who may or may not have heard that, elevator speech in terms of have a speech to talk about what you do for your job within 30 seconds. Because you only got, what, 30 seconds of elevator up and down. Um, well, anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. So it's the same thing with us. We prepare to share in like maybe 10 or 20 seconds about our relationship with Jesus, who he is to us. We prepare. Prepare ourselves. And then number three is when we pray, it will happen. So when the time comes, as we prepare for it, proceed. Share when the opportunity arises. The more we share, the better it will get. The more we share, the, the, uh, the more that we can sense what God is trying to say to a specific person. I'll be honest with you guys. In the first time I tried to share with um, a taxi driver, it was very nerve-wracking. But after that, it gets easier and easier. Right? So just step through. Think of it as training, the things that we talked about. Until we actually do it, we don't really know how we're going to do it, right? So we prepare and actually pray, uh, pray, prepare, and then proceed. I, um, and then as we proceed, we can learn from it and grow from it. It's something that I, I've, I've said this a lot is nothing replicate experience, right? We can, we can all talk a pretty big game. I, um, maybe I can talk a big game, but when the time comes to actually do it. Nothing is as it seems. So until we walk it through and proceed and experience it and know what it's like, we don't know how to do better the next time. So with that, I want to end with that note to encourage all of us and to remind us again of what God has called restoration to be. First thing, think about rescuing the people. He only gave us one commission, right? One commission make disciples, and go and share the good news. That should always be first and foremost on how we approach life and what kind of people, God's people, that we can impact. So, um, amen. That's what I have for, for this week. I want to encourage you guys to keep that in mind and understand that at Restoration, that's what we always want to do, is to share the gospel. Rescue those who have been held captive and set them free in the name of Jesus not in the name of restoration, not in your name, not in my name, but in the name of Jesus. So, um, okay, let me pray for this, and we can close the meeting this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for you. I just want to thank you for, for what you have done, Lord. I just thank you that you have called us here. I just want to thank you that you have always um, been with us, walking with us, and, and, and encouraging us to move forward. Even though there may be times when we may not want to move forward, but you're always encouraging us and walking with us. I just thank you for opportunities. I just thank you for challenges. If I can also thank you for obstacles so that we can learn, so that we can step outside of our comfort zone, so we can be well-trained people.
So when the time comes, we can go and rescue those who've been held captive to allow them to experience the goodness of being in your presence, to be able to know that the Almighty God is with us and he's for us. I just want to thank you for that, Lord, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will empower each and every one here, that from today on, that we will go forth from here and have confidence and knowledge to know that the verse from, um, from Matthew that I shared, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, John the Baptist, that we will find our strength in you and knowing that it is your power, your power alone, Lord Jesus, is what brings salvation to people. It's not about us, but it's all about you. Let it be all about you, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we praise you, and we want to bring glory to your name and your name alone, Jesus. Amen.